Good evening, church. Last Wednesday evening that we're going to do this, and then we'll start meeting together again. So happy and so glad that you've tuned in tonight. Tonight, I want us to look at probably one of the best-known parables that Jesus told, which was out of Luke chapter 15, and it's about the prodigal son. And we always focus on the prodigal, but we forget that when Jesus started uh, this uh, parable, that what he told us was something very important. He said these words in Luke 15, 11, he said, a certain man had two sons. Now the younger is the prodigal, the quote unquote bad son, the black sheep of the family who demands his inheritance even though that was not to be done and even though that could really cause him to get nothing according to Jewish custom. It could even cause him to be punished severely according to Jewish custom, uh, even to the point of stoning if he uh, persisted in this. The father gives it to him. We know the rest of the story and how when he finally, it says uh, that, uh, that he finally came to himself, okay? And I'm looking for the exact verse that it says that. But it says, uh, but when he came to himself in Luke 15, 17, he said, and then he rehearses his speech he's going to give to his father about not being worthy. You see, what that means is when you come to yourself, he was out of his mind, and now he comes back to his right mind. It's a sign of repentance. When we're in sin, away from God, we're not in our right mind. And when we come to ourselves and repent, then we're restored. Then we're forgiven. Then we're in our right minds. And uh, so I wanted to, to look at this, but I, I, the reason I'm saying all of this is to get the verse 28. And it says uh, that the older brother, in verse 25, now the older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked, What? These things meant. This is where I want to focus as the elder son. Really, I've entitled this the first son. The first son. And so he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. And because he, speaking of the father, has received him safe and sound, uh, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I've been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you kill the fatted calf for him? And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you for this time with your scriptures tonight. We just ask that you'll guide us and direct us. And Father, we just ask that you'll lead us into your truth. And Father, we'll learn from it. 
the lessons that you would have us to learn. And Lord Jesus, you just have your way with us. And Father, grow us as you see fit. Let us apply this to our lives and grow from it. But more importantly than just growing, let us obey your word and what you have for us today. These things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There were a group of pastors that went to India. And they were with some of the uh, our foreign missionaries. And uh, on this particular day, they were going to a leper colony. And one of them said, you're going to meet the head of the leper company, colony, a lady there that runs everything and helps the le lepers. And so they didn't know really what to expect. One of them said that it was beyond imagining the suffering, uh, the decay, the rot, the smell. It was just overwhelming at the despair of the situation these people were in. And another said these words. He said, it was my job that day uh, to follow her around and help her. And as she went, she would stop at this one and maybe they were missing their lips and needed help eating and keeping the food in and she would feed them. Uh, another one might have lost their fingers and they could not feed themselves and she would feed that one and wipe their mouth if they still had lips. He said, but also after that she began to tend their wounds, to tend to where the fingers had fallen off, to tend where the rot was worse and take the bandages off and the smell was overwhelming and I just thought I was going to lose what little breakfast I'd had that morning. And as we're doing sort of the last one, she's wrapping what's left of this poor man's feet. And uh, she's been tenderly caring for all these people. I looked at her and I said, Lady, you, I wouldn't do what you do for a million dollars. And to a surprise, she looked at him and said, I wouldn't either. And he was taken aback. He was a little shocked. What do you mean you're doing this? She said, I wouldn't do it for a million dollars then why do you do it? She said, when Jesus reached down and saved me and I experienced his love, I realized I had to share his love with others. And I serve these people because I love Jesus. And that teaches us something about this first son, this elder son. And what it teaches us as we remember, as we go through life as Christians, is that there needs to be a spirit of love in our service to God. There needs to be a spirit of love in our service to God. We are to love Him because He first loved us, but because He loved us, we're to love others. And we cannot help but share that love. And sometimes it's inconvenient. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's unpleasant. But we're still called to love in our service. And when we don't love, we become like the picture of this elder brother. Can you imagine your brother who's gone away and you don't know if he's alive or dead and your daddy worries about him all the time but you're just upset with your daddy. Just forget about him. How do I know that that's the way he felt? Because the way he reacted when his younger brother came home. So what do we see here? That's sort of a test of do we possess that spirit of love we're supposed to have in our service for God or to God? First of all, I see an improper attitude. Look at verses 28 through 29. He's asked what's happened. 
He's been told by the servant, your brother has come back and because he's received him safe and sound, your father's killed for them the fatted calf. In other words, they're having a party. And then it says in verse 28, but he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered him and said to his father, I'm going to do it like this. Love these many years. I've been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me even a young goat that I might marry with might make marry with my friends. But when this, this son of yours comes, who devoured your livelihood with harlots, for him you killed the fatted calf. There's some things I see here. First, I see there is a judgmental attitude. What do I mean? You see, we're told that he, he, he did it in wanton living or riotous living as some of the translated. It means he was doing things he shouldn't have been doing, but we're not told what. But the older brother imagined how much fun his brother was having off the farm and he sort of projects some things in his heart onto the brother. If he'd been doing this, he'd have found harlots, prostitutes, if you will. And that's why he spent his money on. And that's why he says in this judgmental attitude in verse 30, he says, very specifically, this son devoured your livelihood with harlots, and for him you killed the fatted calf. And when we don't have that spirit of love in our service to God, we tend to judge others and their motives. And we judge others and what they try to do. Maybe we say things like, oh, they're just trying to run the church. Or they say things like, well, you know, they just did that to get attention and to show off so everybody look at what they did. And that's a judgmental attitude on our part that shows that there's a lack of love in our service to God and for our fellow Christians. Not only do I see a judgmental spirit, I see there's a justifying. In verse 29, he just sort of whimpers and whines. Lo, these many years I've been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. And it's not just a calf. You never gave me anything. See, there's a justifying here. I've done all this for you. I've always been right here. Everything you told me to do, I did. I never transgressed anything you ever said. Which obviously on the inside he had done. Because he has this attitude. He resented it. And there was a justifying attitude. Look what I've done. You didn't even give me just a little goat to have a part of my friends. For him, you kill this big fatted calf with all the T-bones and all the prime rib that you can eat. And, and you're making a party. There's music and dancing. And look what he did compared to me. He's justifying himself by measuring himself against his brother. In his own eyes, he was righteous. This is a picture I want you to hear me. A lot of people say, well, the, the, the younger son is sort of the sinners and the older are the Pharisees. And, and you can make that comparison. I'm not saying that. You can't. But what it's really a picture of is those who see a need to repent and those who do not see a need to repent. Those that think God owes them something for how good they've been. That's the elder brother. And we have to be careful as we live and walk and we've been a Christian for many years that we don't forget that we're sinners also just like these heathens, quote unquote, around us. 
We cannot have that judgmental spirit that we're better than they are. Our love should let us know what a great price Jesus gave for you and for me when he died on the cross in my place and your place. Our sins, all of our sins, put Jesus on that cross. My sin, your sin. And we should never get over being saved. There should be that spirit of love for what he did for us that colors everything we do. We can never repay the price that Jesus gave for you and for me when he died on the cross and then rose the third day. But when there's not the right spirit of love in our hearts towards God and towards what we do in the name of Jesus, then there's this improper attitude that crops up and it's very caustic it's very pharisaical it's very judgmental it justifies what we do excusing ourselves but condemning others and so we need to ask do we have an improper attitude because it's a sign that there's not quite the spirit of love in our service to God and others that there needs to be the second thing that I see is improper action. Look at verse 28 again. But he was angry. Improper action. Now think about it. Improper action. Yes, improper action. His brother who's been missing, his brother they had not heard from, his brother that they wondered. He didn't wonder, but the father did, because when the father saw him a long way off, he ran to him, fell on him, and started kissing his face and just continued to kiss. You're home, you're home, you're safe. You were dead and now you're alive. You were lost and now you're found. Oh, I'm so glad you're home. Where was the older brother? He said he was in the field working. But Zimbabwe action because he should have rushed inside to see his brother, make sure he's okay. He should have done the same thing the father did and welcome him home. But he was mad. He was angry. Verse 29, he, he, he starts talking about everything he had done. In verse 30 again, he, he, he murmured what he suspected his brother had been doing. And see, that's the second thing. He was mad and he was murmuring. And the murmuring wasn't so much against his brother as against his father. So he's murmuring if God is the father in this parable, and he is, it's murmuring against God. And sometimes if we're not careful, when our love is not what it should be for God the Father and for our fellow men, Christians, and the lost, and, and, and we're, we're mad. Look how blessed they are. Oh, I tried to serve you, and nothing ever goes right for me. We're not to be serving so things that go right for us. We'll be serving because we love Jesus who loved us and gave himself for us. And when we murmur those kind of things, it's murmuring against God and his blessings and his goodness. We're saying, you're not as good as you pretend to be, God. Look at me, I've suffered here. Those people there don't even care about you and they've got everything they can ever want. And yet, they have nothing if they don't have a relationship with God. Why would we, we be jealous about things that are going to be passing? You know, we can't take it with us. You understand that. You can put little trinkets in the coffin. You can even leave some money there, you know. Uh, uh, I've been, they put different things in coffins and the different things. Uh, years, uh, I've seen them uh, stick in a pouch of tobacco. I've seen them stick in a beer. I've seen them uh, stick in a, a Bible. I've seen them stick in uh, pictures of loved ones or pictures that loved ones drew them. 
but they're not there. They left everything they earned in this life to someone else. Why would we be so earthly minded that we'd be jealous of others who do not know the living God, who if they do not repent of their sins and place their faith in Jesus, have absolutely nothing for the next life. They stand accused, condemned before God Almighty. And we're going to be jealous of them. It reflects that our love is not where it needs to be. Maybe we, like the church of Ephesus, left our first love. And the condemnation is you need to repent and come back. I need to repent and come back to our first love. So this young man had an improper attitude. He had an improper action. But he had improper relationships too. You see, in verse 31, the father says to him, Son, you're always with me and all that I have is yours. All that I have is yours. See, that's the blessings of the father. Whether it's the Pharisees, if you want to say they were the ones that were the elder son or somebody else, they hadn't been wandering away from God. They knew, quote unquote, supposedly who God was. They studied the law. They studied the word of God. They had that privilege. They should have known God's heart but instead, they knew the letter of the law, but not the love of the law. They knew what they built up God was like in their minds, but not who Jesus was. Real God, right in front of them. See, the blessings of the Father had always been His. If He wanted a goat and a party, He could have had it at any time because all that the Father had was His. All that the Father has for us is revealed in His Word or ours. We just need to take advantage of it. The love of the Father, the presence of the Father, time with the Father, uh, the joy of the Father is ours because of Christ and us being in Christ. If we're not enjoying that relationship, especially as we minister and serve in His name, that's not God's fault. That's our fault. We've lost our first love. We, we've lost that spirit of love in our service to God and to others. But there the blessings of the Father, then the benefits of a son, okay? Do we understand that? The benefits of being a son were that he always was with the Father, that, that he had the Father's ear. He could hug the Father. He could be with the Father. And how many of us take advantage of spending time alone with God? How many of us take advantage of praising His name and telling others about the Father who loves us so much that He gave His only begotten Son, that we should not perish, but that in Him and believing in Him, we should have eternal life? And then notice how the bad brother, the prodigal, is reclaimed. He was dead and now he's alive he was lost and now he's found and so they have a party it's a picture of heaven when one lost sinner comes to god there's rejoicing in heaven a party among the angels and shouldn't we feel the same way see i know he had an improper relationship with the father and there was a lack of love because of the way this story unfolds if he really had a proper relationship with the father, when the father is looking around for the son that he lost to come, where was the older brother? Wouldn't he be worried about the brother that left? If he really loved the father and had that proper relationship 
and love the brother the way he should have? Wouldn't he have ran with the father and fell on his neck and continued to kiss him just the father? Wouldn't he have been happy sitting there having a party? But see, he didn't do any of those things. He didn't care that the brother was reclaimed. He didn't care that he had new life because he was dead and now alive, lost and is now found. He didn't care. All he cared about was himself. It's an improper relationship with God and with the loss with others. We need to ask ourselves very seriously, do we care? It's easy to care about those who are just like us. It's easy to care about fellow Christians we've been friends with for years, and we should care. Please hear me, we should care. We should be a caring church for one another against a cold, dark world. But we should not be so caring that we have holy huddles that are warm on the inside and everybody on the outside feels cold. Those huddles need to open up and we need to reach people and draw them in. Because of our love for God and our love and service to others, it should show. Love should not be a cold thing. Love is always a warm thing. People who come here should get the warm fuzzies because they feel the Holy Spirit and they feel Christianity lived out the way it's supposed to be lived out. As Jesus loved us, we'd have love one toward another. So this young man didn't have any of that. His, his spirit of love was just not there. He had an improper attitude, he had improper action, he had improper relationships, but also had improper results. What do I mean? He sits out there mad having a Baptist pity party. He refused to go in. Sitting out there, I can just see him cursing under his breath or saying bad things about the father and that ill-begotten son of his. You see, the result was he lost fellowship. One of the saddest thing that you see about this is it never says he gets up and says, okay, dad, and walks in. He is left outside. He is left having a pity party. He is left angry and stewing in his own stew. What a thing to do when that brother that you should have loved that was dead is now alive. That brother which was lost is now found. He's come home. It's that like a fellowship because all had a lack of communication. As I said, we're, we're, we're there left with him. We don't see where he ever sees a need to repent. The other brother came to himself and, and repented is what it means. He came to himself and said, in my father's house are, is more bread to spare and hired servants. I'll just go tell him I'm not worthy to be called a son. Just make me as one of your hired servants. Just please take me back, father. And the father hears that speech but says, put the cloak on him, shoes on his feet, the ring on his finger. This son of mine, he reclaims him. Was dead as his life, was lost and was found, and kill a fatted calf. We're going to welcome him home. There was no communication. He asked a servant, What's going on? He didn't go in and ask Dad, What happened? He didn't see his brother and say, Oh, I'm so glad you're home, Johnny. He was mad and stayed outside, cut off all communication. See, he may have been near the father physically, just like the Pharisees were, but he was far away from the father spiritually. He was far away as far as the father's heart. His heart did not beat 
the same way the fathers did. He didn't have the same concerns of the father. And if he had the same concerns, it would have showed up in his actions. It would have showed up in his relationship, in his attitude, in the results. And we would have had a family reunion. Instead, we have a fractured family still. When we see others getting blessings, do we praise God that they're getting those? Or are we a little bit jealous? When we see people coming and we think, mm, Brother Gary, you know how bad they are. Could it be that God has actually saved them and changed their life? And we're to welcome them into the family of God. Or if they have wronged us, could it be that maybe God has brought them to this point in their lives so that He forgives them and we have to forgive them also. We need to all not want to be like this elder brother, this first son. We need all to want to have a spirit of love in our service to God and to others. As we close tonight, are we like the first son? If it was two women, maybe we're like the first daughter. Oh, no. But we need to examine our hearts and make sure there's love in our service so it doesn't grow old and bitter and hard and stale. That's it for tonight. I'll see you next Wednesday night in person. Good night.